0: Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. My guest today is Timothy Meisenheimer. He's currently the Senior Manager of Chaplaincy Services at Ottawa Mission. And from 1999 until 2018, he was involved in Capital City Mission and uh, he was their Executive Director. And uh, prior to that, he served as a pastor in various communities. So um, Tim, I believe that you and I maybe first met uh, when uh, I had hosted a conference in Windsor called Beggar's Banquet. That was in 2001. And uh, that conference featured Tony Campolo as a guest. Uh, It had Cademan's Call and a Host of workshop, speakers, and urban ministry tours in Windsor, and uh, so Tim, it's great, to, great to have you on the on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, Kevin, for having me here.
0: Appreciate yeah. It. So um, uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, your um, lifetime as an adult really has been a lifetime of uh, ministry, and 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 the larger chunk of that. Uh, has been specifically urban and given to the city of Ottawa. So um, let's start uh, with Capital City Mission, the the mission that you really uh, were a founder of. Um, so back in 1999, uh, did this just come out of thin air? Like what, what inspired you to begin a mission in Ottawa? And uh, where were you at the time? And tell us that story. Yeah, it was uh, quite a a trip. So I was in Ottawa,
1: pastoring, had a church that really believed in uh, supporting a Christ-centered drop-in center on, you know, right as close as we could be, right downtown to uh, center of uh, an area in the town where it was called Lower Town. Wasn't uh, any existing drop-in center there. That said, it was probably a kilometer up the street to the parliament hill and just past King Edward for those that have ever visited. And so it was a largely, uh, uh, poverty place where when we did our study, uh, back then in postal codes in the Ottawa area, it had the lowest amount of income per capita address. And so we kind of strategically had that. Anyway, what happened was gentleman that I was pastoring with and great friend decided to, uh, Uh, resigned the church just as we were developing the idea of uh, unveiling our our vision and uh, when I had gone to that church in Ottawa I was really um, from when I was in Bible college some names I'll mention today are like probably in a time machine for maybe people or you'll never know who they are but just to honor them because I believe who I am is really a a part of a lot of mentors and a lot of people but there was a, a lady named Carol Surette that was one of our teachers, and uh, she developed this idea of like, and Ed said, Ed Psych 5, of thinking about where you think you were going to go with your life and how you were going to, uh, you know, follow your calling. And, uh, and, and at that time... Before I was in Ottawa, before all that, I really knew that in my heart I wanted to be an urban missionary. I had some short-term experiences in northern Canada, in Pickle Lake, and north of that, and and in uh, the Hudson Bay, and loved the Indigenous people, and loved that. I thought for sure that might end up. So what happens is I'm in Ottawa, the pastor leaves, and I'm like, okay, uh, maybe we got to put that, you know, maybe that was in the Lord's will. And so I've never been a senior pastor. I had about uh, eight years of uh, youth and outreach pastor, and I love doing that. But I put my name available to be a pastor anywhere in Canada. And where I uh, ended up being led by the Lord's hand, I really believe, is, is this place called Kilham, Alberta. I was in Kilham, Alberta for about a year and a half, loving the church and uh, coaching baseball as a small community, coaching hockey getting to make uh, friends with the neighbors and the small community. And it was really a pretty amazing time. We had uh, a great change in the culture of the church and its involvement in the community. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm probably going to do this (laughs) for a long time. And uh, you know, maybe this is urban missions for me because it's a small community and I can really be an impact by the grace of God. And uh, so I was just, going along that path and one day a uh, guy knocked uh, on the uh parsonage door next to the church and i was there all alone and he uh, he said he wanted to talk to me and so you know he had a backpack and he looked like he had another bag and he was just a hitchhiker and he just wanted to talk to me and so pastors know often that happens especially well everywhere and uh usually people uh often are going to ask you for a little bit of help and then you have a prayer with them. And so I and said, let's go sit down in the church. So we went over next door, sat back to the pews of the church. And this gentleman went on to explain, um, you know, his life. And I just listened. And then I listened and listened. And I was kind of, you know, like waiting for the, and, but can you waiting help me? for the ask. Yeah. <laughs> waiting for the ask. Right. And so what happened was, I started asking him how I could help him. You know, it was like, uh, yeah. Anyway, so what happened was he said, listen, you have done everything I needed today. I just needed to talk to somebody and have somebody listen to me. Wow. Wow. So I went back um, to my, I said, please stay here. I went and made him lunch, put a bunch of Subway coupons, you know, free meals. I think I was, you know. Not in a place where I had a lot going on, but I probably put twenty or forty dollars in in the bag. And and he said, grabbed it right back. He said, "You really don't do this, you know." He was, he had just told me about how he was trying to go back to the East Coast, and he'd gone to Calgary and gone in through this and gone through that, and he has all these broken relationships. He wants to go make his life right, and, you know. And it wasn't really a transforming <laughs> experience for him as much as it was for me, because. I went back to my study after he left and I tried to get him to stay in a motel in town. I'm trying to get him. Don't leave. You're my friend. (laughs) And anyway, he just got back on the side of the highway and he went away, but he didn't go away. He was, uh, he was uh, to me, the angel that called me back to Ottawa. Mm. And um, so uh, we started to put in process a lot of prayer around that discerning that, I had a friend that I'll you know, talk about a little bit later that was a uh, lady that was doing street work in Ottawa, thought maybe I'd just partner up with her and you know we'd be a, a good fit. And anyway, within about three weeks, we resigned from the church mm. and uh, we started, we had nothing other than our vision and our hope that uh, maybe because of the favor we'd have with some churches that we were involved with because... I was involved as a youth leader in the city and whatnot. And, um, you know, we a couple calls and yeah, okay, Tim, you know, tell us when you get back and we'll have a coffee, right? <laughs> Rented the U-Haul, had the last Sunday, it was Father's Day 1999, um, mate had a job to uh, sell cars from, you know, favor I had within a church, a guy gave me a job, started doing my street walks downtown Ottawa again, which I was doing before I left and um, saw what was different over a couple of years I was gone. And so what happened was that was the, that was the context. And we just went as a faith ministry and, uh, and we, we, uh, we, we got a building in, uh, we, we got a building in January 2000 and there was people that walked, you know, I'll tell you, like, I was just thinking about this today, you know, it's like, you're never going to, walk on water unless you walk on the street first (laughs) and so (laughs) when you walk in the street and you ask Jesus to show you himself you will see him if you walk in the street and you you look for the need you won't see him if you ask him so really that's how it started. And we were just like, uh, really, really uh, blessed that gradually one church after another church by that March day opening, I wasn't needing to work, uh, outside of the ministry. We had raised enough support to have a marginal amount of money to live. And, um, and, uh, you know, and that was all done with four children, (laughs) all different ages from, uh, 18 to, uh, eight, 18 months old <coughs> and so uh god was just so faithful so the actual launch was sort of like that the first week we opened march 6 we had a 35 uh, cup coffee maker not even a microwave we had sandwiches that we made ourselves uh from you know buying eggs and stuff like that and tuna and the first week we had the uh, first day we had six people the next by the end of the week we had 30 people in a month, we had about 60 people a day. And in three months, we had 140 people a day coming in. Our model was a place to find friendship, a place to find help. <coughs> and we were going to give away what God had given us. So uh, that's, that's how it sort of how
0: it went down. It's, it always amazes me in downtown city cores. That's often where you have street missions. Uh, but at the same time, you're always like uh, across the street or blocks adjacent from extreme wealth and power. And uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so but to, where, where was your hometown? I grew up in Sudbury. Yeah. And I was, I was there until I went to uh, Bible college when I was 27. When when you lived in Sudbury, did you live in downtown Sudbury? Did you have a lot of exposure to to poverty and and uh, you know kind of the street affiliated uh, population, or or was that uh, something that you discovered later on? I I don't
1: think uh, no. I mean Sudbury. I mean uh, historically, my uh, my dad was raised above a bar uh, in the You know, one of the oldest bars on Durham Street near Elgin Street. I mean, (laughs) um, and uh, but I mean, we were not in anywhere near a poverty area. It was a lot of wartime houses and uh, you know, small neighborhoods. Sudbury was never fancy, as most people will make fun of. Yeah. But uh, it's very blue collar, uh, Union Town, um, and uh, you know, miners and and uh, but people talk to their neighbors. I think that um, I think that some of the impacts that came in Sudbury were, were whereas when I, I was a prodigal for 10 years, I was far from God for 10 years. I didn't darken a door very often unless it was for somebody's funeral that was in my family or something. But, and um, a lot of things happened in those 10 years. But uh, the, the, when it comes to how this happened for me, how the transformation came in life, when I rededicated my life to the Lord, it was through a pastor that uh, he came and stood on the side of the street where I was working because it was in trucking and my dad had a, a business around selling fruit right out of a stand and our truck was parked right half on a sidewalk and half on all the time, tractor trailer. you know. And this guy was new to that church and uh, he came like three times a week. And it, and my dad had been far from God, like he was backslidden for, uh, you know, he wasn't following the Lord for a long time. Like, and he would just insult him and be derogatory about pastors. This guy just kept coming back no matter what, you know, the joke was about or what it was like, how, uh, humiliation was going to happen. And I, I, I just observed him and then I figured like, man, like this guy's, he's here because he loves me. Hmm. So if it starts on the street, it's going to end on the street. Yeah. That's my heart. And uh, on top of that, my mother was in 1942 left on Bloor Street with her three sisters by two alcoholic parents who, you know, in time one, everybody had some recovery time, not her father so much with my mom, but with her, my, my grandmother. And so my family, when you think about Subway, you don't think about street ministry, but that developed who my mother was in uh, with the presence oh. of the Lord, and and so uh, when we do talk about mentors, I was always being mentored mm. through a spiritual uh, mother.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The well, let's talk about some some of the mentors some of the influencers in your life that uh, you know really I mean that that pastor uh, at at the uh, truck on the street you know that that's one but um, what about in terms of getting a sense of urban vision the sense that uh, your place was to go to the streets who who influenced that who are some of the the uh, people and and some of the maybe authors or any anyone that you would consider to be a strong influence yeah. well
1: early on i um again it came it started with i mean it, it, you know it started with matthew 25 it came by those people yeah seeing jesus and i always i was uh i'm dyslexic and so my learning uh,
0: oh you, you mean matthew 52
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that part about as you do enter the least of these, you do unto me and, mm-hmm. and those categories. Yeah. So what happened when I just, that guy on the sidewalk, he like, it was actually Bruce Martin. And uh. yeah, actually. And so he, I just started going back to church and left my cigarettes mm-hmm. up on the sun visor, you know, like, I mean, this is going to work, but <laughs> and, uh <laughs> but I, I actually didn't, I didn't, I didn't smoke for a whole year. And, uh, but that said that and everything back then, right. Holiness, you don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, what happened was, uh, he, he, like probably within three or four months he was gone and there was this other guy and he was like, not anybody that I ever thought I would become a friend with. And, uh, he's actually been like the biggest friend ever. And so, uh, he, he said to me, uh, I was at church maybe for three weeks after, and he said, hey, you know, why don't you read the book of Romans, you know? And I'm like, okay. And so, and then we'll have, we'll get together once in a while. Okay. And so, uh, he's absent-minded. He, You know, I would be calling him and saying, hey, he said you're going to get together, you know? like, And he lived like five hours down the street from me. So, eventually, <laughs> um, he got his stuff together, and we met a couple times. And then he said, hey, you got a truck. I got to move somebody. So, this story really has an importance in this of how I saw something uh, that was mentoring. He had the heart and he had, he was a young pastor and he was zealous and all over the place, but not really theologically very sound, but (laughs) he said, so where are we going? So we go to the worst neighborhood in Sudbury and uh, there's this lady there and she's with child. And um, so, you know, I'm kind of like asking questions like, okay, so yeah, where are we moving? And it's just like, you know, smelly situation. Right. And, uh, and she goes, well, I'm moving in this place because my uh, boyfriend's going to get out of jail. And I go, okay. Uh, Wow. Okay. We're doing, you know, we're doing the real thing here. This is the gospel. And this is a pastor that asked me to do this. Mm -hmm. And he like, like he was doing it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I didn't think pastors ever did anything. I mean, I, I had great pastoral mentors as Mm -hmm. a child, just watching Mm -hmm. them. David Maines, Homer Catlin. Uh, I mean, I learned to cry from David Maines. I learned that <laughs> what grace was about from Homer Catlin by osmosis, yeah. right? As a kid and prayer. But that said, uh, the next line was, okay, yeah. And she goes, uh, you probably saw this story in the paper. My boyfriend on a wedding day, um, you know, he, he attempted to murder somebody in a hotel. That guy was, you know, the bartender wow. at my wedding well wow. that guy was the bartender at my wedding in three months these people are all standing at the front of the church and suddenly and i'm like okay prisoners <laughs> you know yeah okay we're gonna be into that look at what god does he changes people's lives and i was young i was you know I was, I was young i was 25 but i was young in my my faith and i was like okay so that's interesting so anyway just to rattle on i mean faster i mean people books and uh People and books change our lives and, uh, and through the providence of God, God allows us to, I believe this in a big way. So I've already mentioned my mother and David Curry, Bruce Martin, uh, not intentionally sitting down and saying, we're going to do this course on how to mentor you <laughs> just by bringing you along with them on the walk, right? And what they were doing in those moments and where they were going and that's how I met them. And, and so it just can, my whole life has continued that way. So, you know, I would, I would say that, you know, my mother, my pastor friends, um, and then I came to Ottawa and I met a lady named Susan Brandt and that's when I was pastoring here, but I met her and she was, uh, you know, a foot washing nurse on the, on the sidewalk again, on the street, going into missions, washing feet had, uh, just a huge heart and she still does. She's a West now. And she's uh, sort of gone the route I have, like where she did the you know, storefronts and the drop-ins and then the actual and gone through a lot of stuff, but she's, she's out in, in the West now and just a, a beautiful lady. And we didn't work one-on-one together, but just her atmosphere of ever, uh, you know, knowing her and being around her and listening to the way she talked. When it comes to the hardcore, she's the one that really showed me what this is about. Yeah. And also, um, so those are the sort of the people and then (laughs) the rest of it's all my friends on the street, they've mentored me. They taught me acceptance. They've taught me so many things.
0: Yeah. Generosity. Yeah. yeah, They're
1: like, they're the most grateful. um, I wouldn't say that, like all human beings what you know people misunderstand us they can be the greediest people too right mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> but you know we all have our stuff and but when you just continue to love them you get an opportunity to say well and be with them and so i would really say when it comes to people i have like dozens and dozens of people that uh have um have become closer than any family, really, I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's you know not in any case, but it's sort of like just a transformation of our lives that this has become family because um, we're orphans mm-hmm. And spiritually, we're all supposed to get into the same family. And so mm-hmm. that just happens not intentionally. Through the, uh, the books, I would really say that in decades of my life, when I sort of looked through this, in decades, my life went through different things. But, you know, early on, when I saw that prisoner that was my bartender at my wedding and those things started happening and and, and, and the church in Sudbury was starting a drop-in center. And I got a little bit involved in that right at the beginning when they were opening it. And that's before and at when I was in Bible college, very, very little bit involved, but I just saw like, Wow. Church isn't, you know, isn't a building. <laughs> it's us. And, 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 like, let's get our feet out there where people are that need our love, right? That need God's love. So, you know, I, I fell on George Mueller as my favorite in the history of, of uh, guys who went out and started things. I mean, he wasn't an ultra face prosperity gospel <laughs> guy. He was actually the opposite. He was just ultra-faith. He just, he just trusted God for today, whatever they need. And if people, you know, I'd really advise them to read a good history of George Mueller. Mueller. But the biggest thing was, is to just trust God for whatever people will need and, and pray and keep serving. And so um, that was a big influence because of the way my mother had lived. But also uh, when I started reading books like that. So, you know, really in the 80s, it was Mueller and those kind of historical figures. And then in the 90s, I fell into Yancey a lot, and he helped me to, uh, you know, to think not so much about um, having all the answers and saying I don't know a lot more, which is always the right answer on the street. I don't know, (laughs) but I care, and can I pray with you? That's always the right answer. I mean, unless if it's where I can get boots, you know, oh, you can get boots over at that, that mission, right, or that place right mm-hmm. <laughs> but if it's don't answer a question and and that helped me develop a capital city mission theme that we didn't ask questions that people didn't already have we let we answered their questions comes from john chapter four with the woman at the well he answered right. many of her questions before he gave her any questions and so it's a it, it's a dynamic that we use there. But anyway, Yancey helped me there. Henry Now and of course I spent the two thousands like just really helped me. I went through some really really difficult times in my in all of my life in the early two thousands, um, and uh, I needed a lot of healing from all kinds of things that I didn't realize, and I and there were problematic in my life and in the relationship and whatnot. And so Henry Nowen, uh, really, really, you know, came from like the empathy level and the mercy level really developed, uh, you know, perspective for me. And then, uh, the last 10 years been Melody Beattie and, uh, the language of letting go and beyond codependency, uh, I kind of believe that everybody on the planet deals with codependency or doesn't deal with. (laughs) So, (laughs) so uh, but I certainly had a lot of troubles in that area and I started to work some recovery that way. And that kind of helped me too, to work on, on the recovery work around addictions with, with other people and myself, my, my addictions with uh, drugs or alcohol were, you know, sort of long, in many ways, settled with uh, with transformation in my life, but I didn't realize it. Still, how much that uh, that's such a that's such an easy way to talk to people that are in need, that have suffered consequences of like decade after decade between family with addiction problems and whatnot, and then um, and then really in the last six to seven years, it's been a focus on grief recovery.
0: Because it's just everywhere around us. Everything, yeah, yeah, multiplied everywhere. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's really intriguing to me, you know, just the the way that um, uh, when we walk w- with God, that there's. It seems like uh, you know the the Bible talks about we receive an inheritance, and yeah. you know it's um, it's actually when. Um, we're at our neediest and most broken that we start to draw on our inheritance. It's like when you're broke, you know, and there's this fun sitting there that you can access, but you know, if you can don't have to access it, you know, you think, well, no, I'll take care of myself. But those early 2000s, um, that, that was really the time of saying, what do I have to draw on? and uh I love how how God works in us in those very difficult and painful times and uh, on you know for those who uh, for those who survive those times um, there's there's a uh, a soul wealth that yeah. that we experience um, so you know we talked a, a bit about your 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 calling, that urban vision, that, uh, stuff that, that Jesus was doing in you. Um, and then there's, there's this sort of, uh, uh, minutia of, uh, working and directing an organization, uh, you know, being the guy that, that has to oversee budgets and buildings and, and policy and, and some of that stuff, uh, you know, it can, can be a, a far cry from the heart that put you there, uh, but it can also be something that we grow in and God helps us to grow in. But I'm, I'm curious about the transition in 2018, uh, you became the, the Senior Manager of Chaplaincy Services at Ottawa Mission. Now, just for comparative values, um, Capital City Mission, uh, was uh, essentially uh, started as a storefront uh, in 1999. Uh, and uh, then uh, you transitioned to uh, the Ottawa mission. So I'm, I'm thinking it's like going from the storefront to the institution in terms of uh, the, uh, the size of the organization, the size of the budget, the um, uh, dimensions of work. Um, So talk to me a little bit about um, that, you know, uh, those tension points, you know, can compare the strength and the weakness of the two models, the little storefront and, uh, you know, that capacity institution.
1: Yeah. Well, first, Kevin, uh, Capital City Mission, I would just to say, (laughs) uh, this guy doesn't do administration, okay? (laughs) I pray, (laughs) I trust, and I I, I go, and I go do. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. I was so favored. With all that stuff, you're talking about policies and all that stuff. I was so favored because of the relationship, primarily in a church that I pastored in here, that I had three engineers. And so basically, I would say, you guys don't have an answer. All the whys and how to do this. And they literally did it. Mm-hmm. I was provided like a gift in those people. And there was another few people on that committee board. It became obviously to become a charity. I, had to, I, I really sat in meetings and like they wanted to know whether or not we were telling people about Jesus and loving. Them. That's all they wanted to know for me. Yeah. And so God blessed me. I really was blessed. So from the beginning, it was that way. And, and there's still board members that are on it like 24 years later mm-hmm. and not all of them, some moved on they stayed on as advisors to that capital city mission, so that part of it that's how it went, I was able to focus on the ministry and the mission and that was pretty much it and uh, by the grace of God we were never late for rent payment by the grace of God and we always were able to uh, run uh, uh, like appropriately the difference in the two um and how this was not something i sought (laughs) i i uh i started doing um well uh in my other role over there as ed after about 10 years i said what people need is a a street chaplain and so nobody basically i didn't have to ask anybody i just said I'm going to become a street chaplain. I'd taken chaplaincy courses before. I'd taken concurrent disorder courses. You know, I mean, uh, I had, uh, you know, maybe 2,000 people that I knew on the street by name. Not, not like a detailed member, but I'm just saying, remember, yeah. I'm not a detailed guy. <laughs> so lots of people, right? I, and uh, so what happened was I started this chaplaincy services at, at Capital City Mission, And that meant like in in 2006, already in 2006, there was a year there, it was a really really difficult year in the streets. And we had 60 people die on the streets in 2006. And I was already going through my own stuff, just kind of coming out of it, but then that happened, right? And so I really said like people need, and I, you know, I. I searched out what's a chapel, what's it actually mean, right? And I guess the core of it was to put a coat over somebody, to cover them over. <laughs> Somehow we created a building out of that. But anyway, a chapel became a building. And, um, and so I thought, well, I don't need a lot of money to do that. I, don't, I can just do that, right? I can go on the street and put a coat over somebody and not like I'm going to do a fundraiser to get coats, actually the presence of the Lord and so we just go sit beside them or talk to them and engage them in uh you know fanfare or anything just naturally because they they knew you by name that was our motto so so very different than an institution and but what ended up happening is some of them started dying in the hospice at the big mission and i love them i love that hospice i mean this is where People get an opportunity to die with dignity. They get able to have very good care and everything. So what happened was I started, go, you know, I was in there a bit and there was one gentleman named Mike and, uh, and he was in there about 2016. And I was, at, you know, like I'd been through like in rooms where you couldn't take um, any anesthesia or anything and operations with them the whole bit. Like we walked through all kinds of stuff. And I, I did, his, I did, his, uh, I did his, his memorial in the Ottawa Mission Chapel and a couple of weeks later, they asked me to work part-time for them. And I thought, oh, this would be good. Like I'll have an inside track to work at the hospice, like with people that are dying, right? Mm-hmm. And only in a short time after, they, they made another offer and I'm like, well, maybe this is time to transition. So that's how that happened, mm-hmm. which is important to the rest of the detail. The detail really to be, you know, an institution accommodates. Thank God they accommodate. That's what they do. They accommodate like so many wonderful things that we're blessed to have in this country for people. And yeah. and so whatever it is, they accommodate, they accommodate, and, and they do. And that is their focus. In the capital city, in the Ottawa mission, it just happens that in 1906, it was some christian businessmen that started this this mission for people that were were getting off the train right across from almost you know the uh, chateau laurier that's where the train station was and they were walking down and they're in the market what people call the market now and they were there was nowhere for them to sleep and they were poor and so they started sleeping there and when they saw it it was like almost like you know booth uh, william booth's thing was soup soap and salvation that's what it was that's what a mission was then mm-hmm. it was just those things well now we're 40 things i mean our tagline and our mission is more than a shelter right mm-hmm. i mean people can get soon they'll have the ability they can get their teeth done they get their um their glasses they all of their health needs i mean we have a clinic all these things so it, it accommodates wonderful human needs, and it does it with uh, a respect and dignity for human life. So the Ottawa Mission is such a blessing for so many people. This particular mission has always kept a chapel, and not just a chapel. They've always wanted chaplains to work there, right through. And so, um, you know, so you know, not too many places, especially in a I would say in a non-Catholic world, not that we are Catholic or non-Catholic, we're uh, ecumenical uh, chaplaincy services. Mm -hmm. So today, uh, you know, I have Deacon uh, Chris is doing uh, a liturgy of the word at 11, at 1140. And, um, and, and then I have, I do Monday and so many days myself, but when it's not COVID, Like, I couldn't believe it when I got there because I knew it had always happened. But like 40 to 60, 30 people, depends on the time of the month,
0: (laughs) come in and
1: they sit down and they sing to live music. And that's almost the biggest thing that hit me is that, you know, ragtag looking church. And I'm like, this is heaven. Like, (laughs) yeah people come to church (laughs) and they're all ages and all kinds of things going on in their life. And so we would do about 320 services a year, chapel services. And it's a unique, unique chapel. It's got, it's, it's an amazing thing that that happened. And then we'd have a Sunday afternoon worship service on top of that. And we implemented a French service, which had never really happened and brought, you know, some other ecumenical, Followings of different uh, chapels. So that's organism. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not accommodating. Right, right. The way Timothy looks at it, that's bringing life, that's mm. bringing grace, that's bringing acceptance. And as thankful we are for all the different uh, institutions we have, I believe that what lacks in a lot of them is the ability to have some respect for that access. Right. And so finding a balance in that, the way I've done it, I'm an urban missionary. So whether you work there or whether you're, uh, you know, you're in the urban center. So I'm loving you and the people that work with me now or our team that we, God's blessed me to have come along with me over the last few years are just like, that's what we're doing. We're serving the community. We're serving the neighbors, We're serving, uh, you know, just in in a spiritual way, washing feet any way we can to continue to share the light of uh, the Lord. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I tease uh, the mission. I don't know that this will happen, but I mean, I'm ready to retire from there. (laughs) I've said this for a few years, so I don't know when I'm ready to ever retire, but uh, from anywhere, but the, uh, you know, an institution has clients. I have friends.
0: Ah, uh, That's good.
1: I, I don't have clients and I don't have files. You're, you know what I mean? I don't have numbers. I have first names. And mm. if I can remember those and we can have some way of, you know, keeping in touch with people. And so, I mean, the opportunity now is that, uh, you know, I'll do 25 to 30 memorials a year for people. Many of them are unmarked uh, or uh, unclaimed bodies. Uh, And we are able to, uh, through our relationship with government and whatnot, able to claim them. There's all kinds of levels of stuff that I'm, I'm kind of doing like uh, stuff that I never would have had the opportunity to do if it wasn't for the accommodation of the, uh, and the grace given me at the institution.
0: Mm. Yeah. When, when uh, Bruce Martin was on uh, one of our, podcasts uh, where we were talking about urban churches and uh, I said to him in that in that episode if I lived in Winnipeg uh, I would want you to be my pastor uh, because you know he's one of your mentors and isn't it interesting that you beat with the same kind of heart if I was uh, in hospice as a patient in Ottawa, I'd want you to be my chaplain. You know, there's there's something about the, the heart of Jesus that in every setting just makes so much sense.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I am so enjoying this conversation with Timothy Meisenheimer. In fact, I really enjoy talking to all of our guests. Isn't it amazing how God inspires people uh, to do great things in His name in cities all across Canada? Uh, well, you know, uh, we'll be back uh, soon with part two of our interview with Timothy Meisenheimer. And as I, I'm sitting in my car right now uh, at night and it's raining as I record uh, this little tag for the end of the podcast and uh, thinking about how grateful I am for shelter. It's a November night and it's a cold rain and I sit in a dry car and after a little bit, I'll be going home to a dry house with heat. And uh, don't ever underestimate how blessed you are and uh, how uh, Jesus is waiting Uh, on the streets. He is waiting in the mission. He is waiting under a bridge and on a bench somewhere for someone to love him. He said in Matthew 25 that when we uh, feed the hungry, when we clothe the naked, when we visit those who are sick, all of these things uh, Jesus says when you do it to someone that Uh, is in the margins. You do it as if you were loving me. So I encourage you today after listening to this podcast to just look for the opportunities that you have today and tomorrow to love Jesus by reaching out to somebody. Well, until we come back uh, for the rest of this interview, this is Sidewalk Skyline Podcast and I'm Kevin Rogers.